some girls think one pitch means like that you have that nine pitch strike zone it means like one square and I'm like no pick a side of the plate you know what I mean so I feel like and committing to it so picking a side of the plate or picking a pitch and actually buying in and committing to it and going 100% you're bought in like there's no half-ass swings with no strikes like you yeah. gotta go all out and sit on one thing um now with two strikes and something i worked on a lot in college is when i got two strikes i would think shorten my swing if you want more power better vision and a bulletproof mindset then i would like to welcome you to cg plus complete games online player development center now, baseball and softball players of all ages and skill levels can access a multimedia experience providing education and instruction on your personal mobile platform. Rob Cruz has put together an online video portal, a remote hitting program, as well as a series of online hitting courses boasting a curriculum that features pitch recognition strategies, power, video analysis, mental skills, and then some. For more info, log on to www.cg.plus. That's www.cg.plus to find out how you can complete your game today. Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz, an audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations, and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Transcending Sport. I'm your host, Rob Cruz. My guest is Mo Mercado. She is a former University of Arizona softball player, where she was All-Pac-12, All-American. She is from Temecula, California. She played for Team USA, and she also played professional softball. Mo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> I'm glad you're here. So um, it's really good to have you on, you know, you know, I coached in professional softball. Uh, I actually met you when I was down consulting down in Texas, mm -hmm. uh, when you were down with that uh, pro team down in Texas. And um, I said to myself, she got, you know, I, I, obviously I, I knew who you were because I follow softball, but I also know, know who your dad is too, because I follow softball. <laughs> right. but, then I, but, but then when I saw your smile, I was like, okay, her smile is, I'm sure you've heard this before. You got a heck of a smile. Right? Thank you. you know, there's, a, there's a big ROI on people who know how to smile. Um, but I also said to myself, you know, and this is what I learned when I had my professional coaching experience. Um, there are people who play pro softball, but there are all, but then there are people who are actually professional. Not everybody's a professional, <laughs> you know, but you are, you, you are a professional. So I want to, I want to say that and get that out of the way. And I appreciate that, which is the reason why I have, I'm, I'm having you on. Um, not just because you play pro, you play pro softball, but because I feel like you're a professional, and you and I want my people, my listening audience, to hear from people like yourself who are actually professional and conduct themselves in a such a way. So I'd like to talk about Temecula, California, where you where you where you're from. That, that's where you're from, right? Yes, correct. Because it seems like that town is it is it me or do they produce a lot of softball players? Yeah, it's like a hotbed. What's crazy is when I was younger growing up, Temecula was like up and coming. That's a big reason why my family moved us there. It was like fresh neighborhood, new area, and softball wasn't really a big thing. Like me and my sister commuted to Garden Grove, which was like, I don't know, around an hour and a half, two hours. Cause like most of the top teams were in Orange County, LA area. Yep. But 
now Temecula and the San Diego, it's definitely growing and they're definitely producing a lot more successful and just prepared athletes in that area, which is awesome for me. I go home and get to see a lot more developed athletes. So yep. it's pretty cool. So talk to me about that. You, you, you use the words successful and prepared. Talk to me about the difference between the two. And I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. <laughs> That's why I got you on. That's why I got you on. Yeah. <laughs> you said successful and prepared. Yeah. I realized the difference, but for my listening audience who may not totally 100% understand the difference. Can you elaborate on that? Right. So I feel like young athletes in general, like their big goal these days is to get a scholarship to a school. Right. And in order to do that, you have to be successful and prepared. And what I mean by that is preparation is okay, great. You have these goals, but what are you doing on a daily basis to prepare, prepare yourself for those moments on the big stage? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Successful as in they know what they're doing. They got their stuff together yep. and the level of I want to say professionalism at a young age is just crazy to me they take the game serious they know what they need to do they don't need to be told by their parents what to do they have such an understanding of what they want and what they need to, do to get there on their own yep. that's crazy to me and it's what sets them apart from athletes in different states that aren't doing what they need to do in order to reach those goals that they have Okay, so that's great. So basically, and this is what I've already known, always known, but there, 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 there is a distinct culture that comes with being a California softball player. Like coming, coming from California, there's a specific way that they do things. You know, it, it's very different. It's very unique. Mm -hmm. um, do, you, do you notice that when you in your travels and you go around different places that this, this, these, the California kids are just a little bit, there's something different about them. I don't know what, I can't quite put my finger on it, but... Um, do you, do you, do you have a sense of that or do you, do you, um, yes, completely. Yeah. And I okay. think a lot of that is because California is known for softball, like point blank period. But I feel yeah. like a reason for that is there's a large group of successful coaches and yeah. coaches that, and coaches that know the game that have developed organizations and have grown. Yeah. Therefore they have a bigger pool of athletes on each and every team. I mean, you have, the Athletics Mercado, the Firecrackers, the Corona Angels, the Batbusters, like mm -hmm. those are four dynasty teams alone and there's more, mm -hmm. but they've been successful since before I was even in travel ball. So, I mean, they've yeah. created dynasties that are expanding these players. And I feel like when you have that, it raises the standard for everybody because if you want to compete at their level, you have to raise what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. So overall in California, I feel like the standard is just held higher because there's more people doing it well. Yeah, I felt that way. I, I, I had, you know, I, I used to make a, 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 I call it, I call it a pilgrimage. <laughs> I used to make a, make a pilgrimage to, to California just to kind of just be in the Mecca, right? Just to kind of just, yeah. just absorb it all. And I remember the first time I ever went to California, I went to the, I went to uh, uh, Palm Springs to the Mary Nutter tournament. Yep. And um, that was like my first time like going to Cali and like seeing like, okay, what, what's going on out here? And right. I was like, yo, this is crazy. <laughs> it was just like, first of all, the defense, like the, the the level of how they take defense, glove work, arm action, throwing the ball the proper way, proper Detail. fundamentals, the Detail. details of defense. You know, that that does not happen anywhere. It just doesn't happen. 
Right. And you know, I, I noticed that you were you, you were defensive player of the year, your junior the junior and senior year. I, I read that somewhere. Not not that player of the year, but you were like all defense team, all Pac yeah. 10, Pac 12 defense. I was gonna say defensive player of the year, like okay. But you know, yeah, you were all 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 defensive team. So obviously you take pride in your defense. I, I find like that's like a lost thing. Like a lot of people aren't doing that, at least what I'm what I'm seeing. What do you think that 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 what do you think that's about? Uh, I have always been somebody that prides my defense. I and I ask this question a lot to my younger athletes. I'm like, hey, if we're in the bottom of the seventh, are you visualizing you're making the last play on defense to win the game, or are you visualizing you have the game-winning hit? And I would say like 90% of athletes say the game-winning hit. And I, I personally think it's because there's more hoorah around mm -hmm. the game-winning hit, right? Mm -hmm. There's more celebration. There's maybe the teams running onto the field and like, you know, giving you that celebration where yeah. the defensive sign is a little bit more humbling and modest. Like, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people, obviously, we love celebration. We love being recognized. I think a lot of people appreciate and like that more than the defense. And for yeah. me, I like that subtle, cocky, like humble, like, mm -hmm. no, not today. We're going to yeah. do it on defense. So okay. I have a feeling that's why. Um, but again, it's it's crazy to me because I'm like defense all the way. That's right. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. So you played travel ball where? I played, well, you know where I'm from, but I mm -hmm. played for the SoCal Athletics mm -hmm. and we were out of kind of like Garden Grove area. Mm -hmm. So originally when I started, I played for my dad on the mm -hmm. SoCal tra Trailblazers, which was mm -hmm. his own team. Mm -hmm. And then I played for Mark Campbell on Victory USA. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I went to SoCal Athletics and played for Bruce Richardson and Rob Weil um, from when I was 13 to 18. Okay. Yeah. They obviously they did a great they did a great job. <laughs> um so you get to, you get you get to, I know, I know those guys, those are legendary names. Uh you got you got so you go to U V U of A mm -hmm. and um how did you get to U V U of A? And how like were there other schools involved in recruiting you? What who were they? Why'd you pick U of A? I, obviously Candrea is like that dude. <laughs> I can't I don't really have words for that guy. Yeah. He's no, up great. here. Or like, you know, in terms of like class just class right knowledge he's the best oh, god <laughs> okay um, go ahead so basically i was getting recruited back then recruiting was nuts so like mm -hmm. i remember getting recruited i think my first like interaction in terms of like oh so and so's here to watch you i was an eighth grader which was like crazy like, what did you were like what that was like 2000 and what nine um i was born in 95 so yeah i was like 13. I'm so like 08, 09? This morning. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's just say 08 or 09. Okay. <laughs> okay, go ahead. And then, you know, at that point, like my goal was to always play college softball, but it became surreal. Like, oh, okay, like there are people here in their college uniform or college polos, right? Like this is serious. Um, but growing up, my uncle actually played baseball at University of Arizona. So mm -hmm. me and my sister, and my family would come out, watch him play. And he would, he was friends with the softball players. So he would get us tickets to the softball game. Mm -hmm. the girls would take us out on the field and I just <laughs> fell in love. It was my mm -hmm. first experience of like, wow, this is like a dream. You know what I mean? And it's, I'm here, I can feel it. I can see it. Like, this is where mm -hmm. I want to be. Mm -hmm. um, so then from then on, U of A was just my dream school. Like okay. I wanted to go there since I was eight. I knew all the players. I had all the posters in my room. Like I That's was just nice. a total fan girl. Mm -hmm. um, so then by the time I was, you know, freshman year, I was like going on my unofficials. I was, I went to U of A 
and I went to UCLA and I would say being modest, I had a very like large pool of schools that were interested that I could have went to, but I knew I wanted to stay close to home. Um, I knew I didn't want to go far and U of A and UCLA were my top two. Mm-hmm. So took my visit to UCLA. I liked it. You know, I'm again, I'm like 13, 14. I'm like, Oh my God, like, everything's mm-hmm. the coolest thing ever. Um, then I take my visit to U of A and I had that feeling. I'm like, no, I'm like, this is it. This is where I want to go. So okay. I would say it was a mix of being exposed to that school early on top yeah. of the family connection. Like I want to go where my uncle went on yeah. top of coach Kendrea is the man. Yeah. So those are probably my top three reasons why I chose that school. And I'm super blessed and thankful I did to this day still. So offensively, um, you know, obviously you can swing the bat because you wouldn't have done enough. enough you didn't, you, I wouldn't be on here with you if you, you couldn't swing the bat. Just, just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my God, for hitting. I mean, you're nice. You're nice and everything, but you rake. So uh, that's why you're on here. You can rake. So, and, and I guess I want to talk to you about, you know, offensively, what were some of the things that helped you to be consistent? Because I'm finding as a, as a hitting coach, right, I'm finding that I know we're coaching in a different generation and the, kid, and the kids are different. And I'm, I try my best to make sure that I can meet my athletes where they are without judging them. Right. For where they are, you know? And I know that they're not going home and doing the things that you probably did when you were younger and spending the amount of time that you probably spent. And they're probably not going to because they have so many more distractions, right? So, and that's just what it is. Not, not, not a knock against them. But having said that, what were some of the things that you did back then that you had the capacity to, and the willingness to do that gave you your edge? What were, give us like one or two things that here's why I had an edge and here's, and I, and I knew what my edge was. What were some of those things? I feel you on this because I just talked to the 14 and under team I'm working with out here on how they're simply not doing enough on the mm-hmm. daily. So I would say some of the things that I did, well, my parents blessed me with putting a batting cage in our backyard because me and my sister both played softball. She played at University of Oregon. So once we mm-hmm. said, hey, this is the sport we're going to play, they definitely made that investment for us. So I would say mm-hmm. that was a huge thing. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, there's batting cages everywhere. You can still do what I did. But mm-hmm. first thing is we hit and threw every single day in the backyard short hops rolled ground balls whatever we were getting our feet moving doesn't have to be ground balls at the field every day but we were just active visual training eye hand coordination transfers whatever um hitting hitting off the tee people these days hate hitting off the tee and i was a tee guru from when i was young through college i am a drill work guru Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that physical training, I went to a place called Prodigy, which doesn't exist anymore, but mm-hmm. it was speed and agility on a daily basis. I would go mm-hmm. to an hour and a half class, ladder work, hurdles, cones, working on my first step, my explosiveness. Again, some weight training, but at 13, I'm not trying to get on the squat rack and mm-hmm. squat like max, you know? So mm-hmm. I would say from a young age, it's mostly the reps, the drill work, and just getting your body active and mm-hmm agility component is huge mm-hmm. so, so that's what gave you edge for sure that's a big piece of what gave mm-hmm. me edge mm-hmm. being active every day and just working on the skills mm-hmm. like the drills breaking things down and your sister she played at oregon was she, is she older than you or she's a year older than me uh, we ended oh, okay. up graduating the same year because she broke her leg and redshirted her sophomore year so that was kind of cool we graduated that's cool. Yeah. yeah that's very cool i like that all right, so now you're, you know, going into, did you win any championships at, at Arizona? 
No, well, not World Series championships. My senior year, we won the Pac-12 championship you in okay. 2017. Right. Okay. Um, so, how was your what was your team Team USA experience like? What was it like just having the red, white, and blue on? How did that make you feel? And was that so, something that was that something? That, I mean, I know people talk about, you know, how 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 much how important that was to be able to represent, you know, the U.S. and U.S. of A. Right. Uh, tell us how that, you know, tell us how that was for you. I remember getting the invite email and I was like, wow, like I'm being recognized. Like, I feel like I deserve this shot, but it's cool that, you know, the committee, they feel that way too. So I remember I was ecstatic at first, like, heck yeah, let's go, let's get after it. That summer that I competed with the USA team was actually pretty cool. They had two teams that year. So there was a big pool of us, a lot of athletes to get around, a lot of different aged athletes, experience levels, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, but being able to put the jersey on in my number, I got number 11, have your name on the back. Like mm -hmm. that moment is just super cool because you work your whole life to get a shot at representing that team. When you take the right. game serious and that's a goal you have from when you're younger, putting that jersey on for the first time is like, wow, like this is surreal. Mm -hmm. um, being able to go to Japan, we went to Japan that summer. First time leaving the country, we got to play in one of the stadiums that actually was played on by the USA team. Um, okay. this past summer. So that was pretty yeah. awesome too. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, just surreal. I mean, I can't really explain it other than putting that jersey on. You're just like, dang, like all my hard work has paid off and I have a shot to represent this team and that's pretty sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and no one can take that away from you ever. Right. That's sealed in history. That's great. <clears throat> uh, so what was it like playing for Kendrea? Like, cause I, you know, I, that guy, and I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna say this. You know, there's there's so much more parity in the sport of softball now than when you were younger. It was when you were younger, the, I think Arizona and UCLA were like the Lakers and the Celtics. Yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. it was like every year it's 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 Arizona UCLA the championship. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know, and you can just book it. It's happening. Right. Right. You know, but I think you know, um, shout out to Sue and Quest and shout out to Mike Dre also. Like their selflessness and how they shared their knowledge, you know, specifically like you know back in like oh three, probably like from oh three to like oh maybe like oh eight or nine or whatever, like what they had done in terms of just sharing information and teaching the game to other coaches <clears throat> is what helped softball to become what it is now in terms of like anybody can win the World Series right. at any given year. Like I, I give them that much credit. Like, but Mike Kendrea, um, yeah, and I've heard so many great stories, you know, about Mike Kendrea. You, you got any Mike Kendrea stories? You got any, anyone you want anything you want to share? Like something that okay. kind of embodies who he is and who, uh, what kind of guy he was or is. I have a lot of Coach Kendrea stories. Um, I feel like one of the biggest thing that represents just the type of man Coach Kendrea is is. He would literally give you his last dollar out of his pocket if you called him and you were in a struggle and you needed it. And that's like one of the biggest things he would convey to us is like, he's our father away from home. And a lot of people say things like that, but they don't really implement it through their actions. And he on a daily basis would pull you aside, ask you what's going on at home. Like a very personal relationship that is a professional, but also treat you like a human and not just like a softball player coach relationship. Mm -hmm. 
and I think that just speaks volumes to him and that's why he has such a strong alumni following and he's still one of the best stories I guess I could tell you is he still texts like every one of his players on their birthday like he has all his players written on his calendar when their birthday is some of their parents even and he takes pride in that because he wants you to know like you're somebody in his life forever it's not just that you're here for four years see you later it's a no I'm in your in your corner for life so I think that's a huge thing that he does yeah that's freaking that's that speaks a lot to his character though too so same right. like and I think that's something you know the USA teams that I have had the opportunity to be around um, years ago, players from the first player to the 25th player, um, these were the kind of women that were true ambassadors of the United States of America in terms of how they went about their daily business. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And they were a reflection of, of Coach Candrea. Right. It wasn't he wasn't just picking the best players in the country. He was picking the best representatives of America that were still good at playing softball. You know what I mean? Correct. Hence, sure. hence gold medals. Like right. That's, that's all I gotta say. Gold medal. <laughs> I'm not gonna say nothing else. Gold medals. I believe you yeah. right there. So that's and I think that's a big part of what it means to be gold. And you talked before about standards earlier. There's, there has to be a gold standard in what kind of a human being you are because that's that's what championship is. Right. Championship is a mindset. Championship is a way of life. Elite is a mentality. Elite is not something that you just write on your at the end of your team name. You know what I mean? So exactly. I, I learned that by just watching how that man moved and just when I got to know a lot of the players, Nasha Watley, Duran, like all those, 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 those women um, that were just like quality people yeah you know what i mean so mm -hmm. that's great um so now i, I want to talk to you a little bit about the mental game because i've been i'm on this thing you know i think one of my one of my biggest strengths as a coach is the ability to incorporate the mental game into what i do you know on the day-to-day -day in the cage with my girls mm -hmm. um and my guys you know and because because we don't see the mental game physically it doesn't show up on video <laughs> people right. people act like it doesn't exist <laughs> Right. But but under the hood, when you lift up the hood on these hitters, like if a, a hitter was a car, what's going on under the hood? Like what's happening under there? It's complex. It, it is the key to to being consistently great, not just great. Okay, yeah, it's the, I can I can put you on a, on a bat sensor, put you on on rap soda or whatever. Yeah, you got great numbers, but but can you do it in a game? <laughs> you know, can you do this in a game? And I think a lot of it is mental, and uh, and and um, I'm always trying to find ways and pick different people's brains about you know what their thought processes are, and and specifically last night I was working with my girls and I, we were just talking about just under, just just counts, you know, and understanding what you know, and I, I was at to tell hitters, hey, the the two counts that matter the most is two strikes or less than two strikes, like the ball shouldn't matter. Right, because the only time you're really going to change anything is going to be when when the strikes are, when the strikes are less than two or two. Right. So for you, what were some of the things that you were thinking about with less than two strikes versus two strikes that helped you to be more consistent um, in, in your in your game and your approach? Great question. I feel like less than two strikes, you got to be drooling, salivating, sitting on one pitch that you've studied 
right? That you know she's throwing. For example, I tell my girls, why are you sitting on an outside pitch if she's only thrown high and in, right? So like, <laughs> are, are you studying the hitters in front of you and are you picking a pitch or a zone that adds up to what the girl has been throwing, right? Mm -hmm. So with no strikes, I'm like, you're sitting dead red on one pitch or one side of the plate, yeah. right? Some girls think one pitch means like, that you have that nine pitch strike zone, it means like one square. And I'm like, no, pick a side of the plate. You know what I mean? So I feel like, and committing to it. So picking a side of the plate or picking a pitch and actually buying in and committing to it and going 100% your bought in. Like there's no half-ass swings with no strikes. Like you yeah. gotta go all out and sit on one thing. Um, now with two strikes and something I worked on a lot in college is when I got two strikes, I would think shorten my swing and almost give up my swing when I was young, like a freshman. Mm -hmm. Something I had to understand was Yes, I can shorten up my swing, but I'm still swinging hard and I'm still swinging to flush something. Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of girls struggle with that too. They think two strikes means put it in play or two strikes means contact. <laughs> and yes, to an extent, but not giving your swing up to settle for something that's soft. You know, you got to make a more, okay, I'm seeing balls, I'm seeing strikes. I might shorten up a little bit, but I'm still squaring something up flush here. Mm -hmm. So I think understanding that and trusting your ability to open the zone a little bit is huge for when you get two strikes versus none. And <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was praying you were gonna say what you said. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I was like, I hope she don't say, I hope she don't say it, just put it in place. <laughs> yeah. So thank God you said that. And of course, I'm, I'm sure, you know, but so I was sweating because I was talking last night to my kids. I'm like, when, when I when I do the measurements and I, I utilize a lot of technology also, because I wanted to show them if I, if I create a scenario in the cage, and it's just front toss, and I'm like, all right, two strikes. It's two strikes on the next ten balls. Mm -hmm. So that means obviously you got a bigger strike zone, right? Strike zone bigger. So, but your exit velo shouldn't be ten miles an hour lower on the ball you went to right center field with versus the ball that you went to left center field with. It should right. be, if anything, if it's going to be less, it should be like two or three miles an hour less. Yeah. For no for, for no reason other than you just your bat didn't have enough time to get to his max speed. That's the only reason why that that's going to happen. So that just, just, just to be clear, and you're right, a lot of the mentality is, and a lot of it comes from some of the the styles, the coaching styles or the management styles of a lot of the travel ball coaches who don't have that 100% belief in what that kid, what those players can do. Right. I think that, I think that plays a big part into it. Like I'm, I'm empowering you as a hitter right now. Right. I need you to, I need you to hit something through the scoreboard. I don't care if it's two strikes. It shouldn't matter. Right. <laughs> you should be able to hit something through the scoreboard. What's up, everybody? This is Rob Cruz, and I'm going to let you know how you can get 15% off any purchases you make at DiamondKinetics.com. Whether it's the DK Swing Tracker for baseball or softball or the DK Pitch Tracker for baseball or softball, you will get 15% off by using the promo code ROBCRUZ. That's R-O-B-C-R-E-W-S at checkout. Check out diamondkinetics.com and get your 15% off today. In your preparation in terms of knowing the pitch, it's funny because I did a, um, <laughs> I did a college team over the summer where the college players come home and they play, we, play, we played about maybe eight games. So we got together twice, played two doubleheaders um, in the summer. And I had two teams of girls and we just kind of, I just kind of got some umpires and said, hey, Let's play, let's play a couple of games, get some ABs. And it, it was good for me because I don't always get to see my players playing games. Yeah. I'm with them in the cage a lot. I'm, I'm watching video 
and if they're on TV, I can I can you know cut it on and watch some TV, watch them on, on ESPN and stuff. But to be able to talk to them after an at bat, right after the at bat, was priceless for me and for them. I think because this is the first time that I'm like there with them. Yeah. And what I found <clears throat> what was crazy to me was the, this happened on the first day, and the pitchers were warming up. The opposing pitchers were warming up in front of the dugout. And they're not even watching the pitches warm up. No one's out there timing or watching or anything. They're, worse, worse. No, worse than that. You ready for this? Worse. Yeah. Their backs were to the pitchers. I know. And I said to myself, yo, I, you, you know, I said, okay, that's why you're sitting on the bench in college. That's yeah. exactly why. And I said to myself, and I, and I, oh, you know, I went in on them. I wasn't going to let that one go. Right. Because I said, if, if, this was, if this was like a real team, you wouldn't be on the team. Yeah. So you know. Oh my God, I went I went in. <laughs> so I feel like there's no way as a hitter that you should not know what her best pitch is before the game starts. Mm-hmm. And where she has a tendency to miss and throw the ball. That she right. missed there's still a lot of balls up, there's still a lot of balls low in the zone. She's throwing she's missing a lot on that part of the plate, this part of the plate. You should at least have that information. Yeah, an idea. Before the game starts. As the game progresses, you're going to get more information. Mm-hmm. But, and this is not even about swings. This is just about paying attention. Right. And I'm finding that that's, you know, it probably doesn't happen as, as much in California <laughs> because the standard is a little different. But like, what do you say to that? Like, because I want, I, want, I, want, I want to go, I want to, I want to go deeper in this mental game thing. What do you yeah. say to that in terms of right preparation? Now, obviously we have video now. We can watch video. We can have video rooms when you get to college going in. You got scouting yeah. reports. Like, what do you say to, what, what was, what, for you, what was, you know, I know you, I know you kind of probably knew what pitch you wanted to hit before you went to bed that night. Yeah. You had a game the next day. You already knew what pitch you wanted to hit. Of course you did. <laughs> right? right. Tomorrow I'm hitting this pitch or I'm not, <laughs> but that's the pitch I'm going out on if I'm going out. Right. right? I mean, that's, that's what great hitters do. So what, what were some of the things, what was, what was your approach when it came to that kind of stuff? Like with the scouting reports and kind of. Well, I feel like at least when I was in travel ball, like you knew who the top teams were and you knew who the people were on that team. So like when yep. we got our schedule and I knew who we were playing, I knew who their pitchers were and I knew what they threw. Mm-hmm. And I understand everybody might not be that complex with how they play, but I was raised in a softball family. We took it serious and it was our lifestyle. So, and I've told my kids this today, like visualization is huge. Mm-hmm. I would go to bed that night and literally visualize myself in the box, hitting the pitch where I wanted to hit it. And we would talk about that all the time. Like me and my sister would say goodnight to our parents. We'd go up to bed and my dad would yell visualize to us. Like it was a lifestyle. And maybe I'm facing a girl who got me out three times the last time I faced her on a certain pitch. I'm visualizing hitting that pitch where I want it. And yeah, I'm just laying in my bed, visualizing it, but it helps. And it helps with the confidence and the mental game because now when I'm in the on-deck circle, I'm watching her throw or I'm walking up to the plate, my confidence is like, I've done this before. Whether it was in my head, in my bed, or in the previous game, I've seen myself do it. So now I feel confident and I can actually see myself doing it in real life. Let me just tell you this. This is crazy. So last night, and my kids thought I was crazy. Last night I told her, I was telling somebody that when I was, I was actually taught how to teach. Mm-hmm. Just because you play doesn't mean you really have a teaching gift, right? That it, that's, that's just not that's, that, that's not factual. Right. But I was taught how to teach and how to communicate effectively 
which is why I think that kind of separates me a little bit from, from most, most people who do it, right? Which is huge. So very huge. So the guy who taught me said, used to always say, great hitters have great imaginations because they're able to see what hasn't happened yet in their head. So when it happens, it's not like it's the first time it happened. Right. Because their imaginations are so, so, so vivid. So when I was, I told the story of my college roommate who was a pitcher and I would, th- I used to think he was nuts. He would lay in his bed and pitch a whole game <laughs> in his head. He would pitch a seven inning game, batter number one, batter number two, batter number three, 21 up, 21 down. He would, pit- he would pitch a perfect game in his head before each start. And I'm sitting over there eating Swedish fish, like this dude's out of his mind. You want some of these fish? <laughs> but like, you got offense yet? You need some but, fish? But you hence, fish? hence though, <laughs> hence he played Team USA. He he played Pro Bowl, and he currently is the pitching coach for the San Francisco Giants. Currently, dang, that's straight mindset, right? So you, you understand what I'm saying, like that. You don't yeah. just get to these. You don't just become Mo Mercado or like my boy Garvin Austin, who's now pitch, pitching coach for the Giants. You don't become these people by just being like a regular schmo. You right. gotta be. You gotta be doing something different. You gotta be doing something that's gonna elevate you to another level. And it's because you have to take it seriously. I don't. I don't feel like the people who think they're taking it seriously, because some people think they're taking it seriously, and right. I'm looking at them like, you are not. You're not taking it seriously. You think you are, but you're not. Because what your definition of taking it seriously, you're judging the people around you and they're all mediocre and they're not pushing you. Amen. And and I think being in the right environment, being on the right team with the right type of people, or in, or in, in your case, in, in the right family, is what sets the tone for who you're going to become in any, any field. You know, right. whether you come from a family of lawyers, doctors, and you're going to go into the medical field, or you come from a family of people who had... 4.0 GPAs and perfect scores on the SATs, whatever it is, it, it, it's mindset and it's environment, exposure. You were on the field running around on U of A when you were eight years old. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, you were already there. That, that, was, that was destiny. Visualize. So I, right? So, like, I, <laughs> so when you tell the story, I'm like, I just was talking about this last night. I was telling them the story about imagination about my, my roommate. I was like, with the Swedish fish, I was like, yo. He's I'll pick up on TV. He's sitting. He's sitting right there. Pitching yeah, game. let's go. So it's crazy. So yeah, but... we got yeah, we, we got we got stuff. So um, what's new? What what's, what you got going on? What what you got going on right now from Mo Mercado? Yeah. Right now? What's what's going so, on? I actually live in Arizona now. Yeah. Uh, once I finished playing at U of A, I stayed on staff for three years as the yeah. grad assistant. Finished that last year. Is it last year now? I've lived in Arizona like a year and a half now, um, working with the current team out here that is now Athletics Mercado. They're 14 and under. Um, on top of that, just doing my personal one-on-one hitting lessons, fielding mm-hmm. lessons. I actually do have a few girls that I do Zoom calls with. I call them my Mo mentorship slash mindset Zoom calls. Mm, um, momentum, I like it. <laughs> whether, they're girls from, whether they're girls from California who I can't see on a weekly basis or some of my girls that are now in college who like that check-in, you know, mm-hmm debriefing how's the college experience going some of them you know transitioning the mental side's hard Mm. Um, so a few different things but 
being in Arizona, the athletes are different. It's definitely challenging me because in California, like we've talked about, it's different standards. So mm-hmm. it's been fun. Um, just trying to develop the youth is really my main goal right now. That's good. So how can my listeners follow you, get in touch with you, social media, shout it out. Go ahead. Mo <laughs> um, Mercado 11. Uh, Twitter is Mercado Mo. Those are my two top that I would say I post the most on in terms of like my daily life, but more so softball resources, mm-hmm. drills, things like that. So Instagram and Twitter is definitely the way to go. If you want to. What's, what's your favorite platform out of the two? Instagram. Yeah. Instagram, more videos, more visual. Twitter is mm-hmm. more like quotes or mindset, things like that. But I would say Instagram, I'm giving more, dropping more breadcrumbs, if you will. Okay, that's good. All right. So um, you're not going to play softball anymore? You done with that? I am done with that. Really? Um, yeah, I finished. I went and played pro for, mm-hmm. I played one year with the USA Pride, one year with Scrapyard, represented the USA team. That was a badass summer. Had a great time. Mm-hmm. Trained for the USA team again. Didn't make it. And at mm-hmm. that point, I was in the coaching shoes now at U of A on mm-hmm. staff. And I was, you know, at peace still being around the game. So mm-hmm. I think it was easier for me to kind of call it quits knowing I'm still involved. I'm still teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm done playing, but you know, I still put my glove on and get some reps at practice to show mm-hmm. every once in a while. So but you still got it. <laughs> I'll be like, Oh, so it's like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah it's like that. <laughs> I gotta remind you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, really great. That's awesome. So yeah. I'm really, really happy that you are still in the game, you know, and I'm, and I'm really proud of what you've done. It's phenomenal. It's awesome. You are Thank truly, you. A, you are truly a role model. Um, and I'm glad we had this opportunity to chat. And I hope it will not be the last time we chat. Um, Absolutely not. And um, you got to have me on your podcast and see what's going on with that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate you coming out. Um, I'm going to make sure that um, all your information is going to be in the show notes. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. No problem.